Welcome to Her Story Sessions. I'm Brittany, a woman on a mission to learn more about women throughout history and to share it all with you. If you like this show, be sure to follow me. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Her Story Session and can be emailed at herstorysessionspodcast at gmail.com. First off, I would like to say there are a lot of pronunciations in native language in this that I try to get right and looked up when I could, but I apologize for any that are wrong. I would also like to warn that there are mentions of sexual assault that some may want to skip. During the colonial period in North America, life for the Native Americans was much different than that of the colonists. The customs, beliefs, and traditions of each tribe also varied, but overall, the Native American women had a vastly different role in society than that of the colonial settler women. They had a much more equal footing with their men for many reasons. In many tribes, their creation stories say that they originated with a woman, a Mother Earth figure. Women were often the ones that oversaw the cultivating and harvesting of the crops, but they also learned hunting and fishing, as sometimes many of the men would be gone for long periods of time for various reasons, like war campaigns. In many tribes, the families were matrilineal, with the family line passing through the women, and the men would go live with their wives' family rather than the other way around. Women could, and often did, hold positions of political power as well, being chiefs themselves. In Iroquois tribes, it was the elder women who decided who would sit on the tribe or village councils, and it was them that even decided the 49 chiefs to sit for the five-nation Iroquois confederacy. Aside from the many, many significant ways the arrival of the white settlers had on the Native Americans, they also impacted the women specifically in certain ways. In the Northeast, often women would act as guides, interpreters, and later would become wives for the fur trappers. These marriages seemed to help form alliances, but when the fur traders would go back to Europe, they would often just abandon their wives, or even trade them off to others as property. The women did not have control over their children, as they would have within their own tribe, and the white fathers would send them away for a Christian upbringing. Many colonists would try to convert these women to Christianity also and quote-unquote civilize them. This brings us to the woman of today, Pocahontas, and part of her story that unfortunately exemplifies exactly that. The Disney version of Pocahontas is completely fictional, a story based on stories, with details changed to fit the princess story narrative. And there's nothing wrong with that, so long as the fact that it's mostly fictional is acknowledged. The real Pocahontas was born sometime in the late 1590s and was the favorite daughter of Wahuseneca, a leader of about 30 tribes, about 25,000 people in total, and was known as Chief Powhatan. There's no known record of her brother, and it's speculated that she may have died in childbirth. When she was born, she was given the name Amanute, and when she got older, she had the name Matoka. The name Pocahontas was given to her as a nickname when she was a child, which means playful one. It may also have been her mother's name, and as she grew up, she reminded her father of her mother so much that he began calling her that. When she turned 14 and went through her coming-of-age ceremony, she chose to take the name Pocahontas officially. In 1607, English settlers founded Jamestown, Virginia, nearby. Captain John Smith was part of this colony. The two groups of people had several interactions, some friendly, some hostile. In the winter of 1607, Pocahontas' half-brother, Opechancana, captured John Smith. Here is where the story of Pocahontas throwing herself down next to him to save his life comes from, but she would have been only around 10 years old at the time, while John Smith was 27. 
Children would not have been allowed anywhere near prisoners, much less executions, and it's probable that John Smith just made the whole thing up later on. Her father decided to let him go without Pocahontas's intervening. The book he would later write about his adventure is understood by most historians today to be mostly fiction. But she did regularly visit the colony with adults bringing food and other goods to Jamestown and would play with the boys there. These were trades or gifts to the colonists, and having a child with them could have been seen as a good sign of their intentions for peace between the two groups. Then, in 1608 and 1609, when Chief Powhatan declined to help the hungry colonists again because their own food supply was low due to drought, the colonists became angry. They attacked and set fire to the natives' villages. The weak attackers were no match for the tribe's warriors, though, and were easily fended off. But the relations were ruined, and Pocahontas stopped visiting Jamestown. When she was about 15, she married Kokuum, a member of the Potomac tribe and brother of Japasaw, one of the village leaders, and they settled with his tribe. This was much closer to the Jamestown colony, and news spread so even the colonists knew she was there. In the Powhatan culture, rape and sexual assault were serious crimes, and immediately punishable by death. This was something that didn't happen often in their communities, while in European communities, it was common, often went unpunished, and even when it was, the punishment was pretty light. In the summer, several women and children were abducted and assaulted by men from the colony. The Powhatan took this as an act of war. Around this time, Pocahontas was heavily pregnant. When she gave birth, she would have been away from Kokowum in the care of the village women. The colonists came up with a plan to kidnap her and to hold her for ransom to get Chief Powhatan to stop attacking and obliterating the white settlements. Captain Samuel Argall kidnapped her while she was still physically weak and recovering from childbirth, while she had no real chance of fighting them off. She was taken to Captain Argall's ship and locked up in the bottom of it. According to the Powhatan's oral history, when her husband Kokuam found out she had been taken, he rode for Jamestown and made it all the way to the ship before he was gunned down. John Smith claimed that the Powhatans had stolen weapons from them and they were using her to leverage a peace treaty. They wanted payment and their weapons back in order to return Pocahontas. Some demands were met immediately, but the weapons were never stolen in the first place, so of course couldn't be returned. All the while, she was being assaulted and raped by her captors. She was held for at least a year until she became pregnant by one of the men holding her. She was forced to go through a Christian baptism and was given the English name Rebecca and married John Rolfe, a tobacco farm owner and widower in his 40s. The colonists claimed the two had fallen in love, and once her father saw that she was safe and supposedly happy, a peace treaty was finally made, which became known as the Peace of Pocahontas. Even though her father hoped that the treaty would lead to her coming back, she'd never see her family again. She had a son named Thomas, which John Rolfe claimed as his and Thomas was baptized as a Christian. The three of them went to England, and she visited royalty and nobles. She was now referred to as Rebecca Rolfe, and several paintings were commissioned of her in traditional English clothing and her hair styled in an English way, and she would also wear makeup in the English fashion. The people in Europe thought that if this native woman chose a white man and could be converted to Christianity, maybe the rest of the natives weren't subhuman savages after all, Terrible thinking in today's view, I know. Despite everything she went through, and now being forced to assimilate to English culture, she took it as her duty to represent the Powhatan people and to convince those around her that they were not the soulless beings they were thought to be, even changing the minds of Queen Anne and King James. 
She convinced many that the cruel treatment of the natives across the ocean was unjust and there should be a more peaceful coexistence with them. The story of their supposed love became popular and was spread and published everywhere, and small paintings of the couple were made and sold as souvenirs. Several months after they came to England, John Smith, who had come back and was living there again, stopped to visit. Pocahontas had originally thought he had died, but since coming to England had learned that he was writing stories about a supposed romance between them and depicting her people as savages. He had written a best-selling book, and she was angry, accusing him of exploiting her family for her, his own glory. She told him, quote, Your countrymen will lie much. Over time, Pocahontas became homesick and begged John Rolfe to let her go back on one of his tobacco ships that traveled between England and Virginia. And she was getting better and better at speaking English, so it was possible that soon the truth about her capture would come out. So, in 1617, John Rolfe agreed that they could go back to visit her family. But not long into the voyage, she fell ill and died suddenly. What it was is unknown, and many assumed it was one of the many illnesses that the English had built up immunity to, although it's been speculated since then that it could have been poisoning. The ship returned, and Pocahontas was buried in Gravesend, England. The ship turned around, and Pocahontas was buried in Gravesend, England. Although John Roth could have afforded a grand funeral and grave for her, he didn't, and exactly where she is buried in the cemetery is now unknown, although today a bronze statue of her stands outside the church. After her death, John Roth left Thomas with an acquaintance until his brother found out and took the boy in and raised him. He tried getting financial support from John Roth for Thomas, but Roth refused and his brother ended up suing him for it. But since John Rolfe didn't have any other children, Thomas ended up inheriting the tobacco farm and returned to Virginia as an adult. At the time, the colonists did not interact with the natives, and although he petitioned the governor to be able to go see his family, it was not granted. Her first child was a daughter called Ka Oki and was raised by the Powhatan people after Pocahontas was taken and Kokoum was killed. Not much is known about her. While in reality, her story is an extremely sad one, because of her strength and diplomacy, she was remembered for all of those qualities rather than what happened to her. She was a true example of what strength in a woman looks like. That's all for today, and thank you for attending this Her Story session. <laughs> <laughs>